for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. Here is your host, Rob Carson. Hello and welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Did you have a nice weekend? Here's the deal. I have to say, TGIM, TGIM, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know why? Because I'm glad it's Monday. I know why? Because I don't have to do any more uh, honeydew stuff. That's that's the thing. Uh, that's what I do on the weekends. I end up doing a lot of stuff. This weekend was not too bad, actually. I just uh, put in a, a sink and vanity, um, did some mowing. Well, actually, my wife did the mowing, thankfully. Uh, you know, just but last weekend was terrible because it was like three toilets put in, and I saw a guy at uh, I guess it was Lowe's on Saturday, and I had to go. I had to go five times yesterday. <sighs> to Lowe's. But anyway, he's wearing a T-shirt, and it says, I love Saturdays. <laughs> and I just wanted to kind of punch him in the head. I was like, you know, I used to love Saturdays. <laughs> I mean, Saturdays were fun. They were like, when I was in my 20s, I could go out and ride a bike, and I could go to the workout of the gym. And then when I wanted to go out with my friends, I'd you know head out to the bars at like 9. Now I'm going to bed at 9. And the only shots that I'm doing are uh, flu shots. <laughs> there you go. So... Anyway, welcome to the show. I hope you had a uh, great weekend. We've got a lot of stuff we need to get to on the show today, uh, including some uh, MSNBC madness. Honestly, I, I don't even know what to say. Even CNN, with regards to uh, uh, Micaiah Bryant being shot by a police officer in Columbus, Ohio, even Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon, who are not known for common sense or even rational thought, they said that the officer was justified. But Joy Reid had a cavalcade of uh, just insanity on her show. And I'm going to play some of that because it's just like, really? Really? There are some people who want to see us descend into chaos. And the thing that bothers me the most is that we have seen with Black Lives Matter and the protests and and the uh, cutting back on police budgets and whatnot, we've seen massive increases in the murder rates, carjacking, and everything in Democrat-run cities everywhere. And yet Joy Reid still thinks we need to. We need to uh, defund the police, and uh, and we need to completely reinvent the policing process, even though the statistics are there. It is something that is not happening. There is not an onslaught of uh, police officers killing black people. It's just not happening. It is not. Now, remember a couple years ago, I think this was in 2016, and the, uh, the hashtag MeToo movement was going on. And there were people saying that like one-third or two-thirds of women who go to college end up getting sexually assaulted before they graduate which would mean that they have a higher rate of sexual assault than the worst places in the world, like uh, Zambia and Afghanistan. And if that were the case, would you send your child to that university? Would you, as a parent, you would be insane to do that. Well, what has happened to that narrative? It's been abandoned. Have you heard anything about the rampant sexual assaults on campus that were such a big deal four years ago, where everybody was terrified, all young men were sexual predators, and women could not be safe? It's gone now. They've moved on to another narrative. And then there was, it was hate crimes on campus. And by the way, there aren't any hate crimes happening on campus. There are no white supremacists on America's universities. They are the most liberal places in the entire world. 99.9% of the time, when there is some sort of supposed hate crime, as with an Albion College a couple of weeks ago, it's fake. It's fake. Or the, uh, the poo swastika in uh, University of Missouri a couple of years ago. Somebody drove, uh, uh, wrote a swastika using their own mess, which, I mean, honestly, how bat guano crazy are you to do that? It just, what, really? Can we just, can we just grow up? It was fake. 
It was fake. And the guy who, uh, who who drummed it all up, he said that there was a pickup truck driving downtown in Columbia, Missouri. I used to live there with a Confederate flag in the back, and you know, and, all, and it was all a lie. It was all a lie. It was based on a lie, and that's just the way it is. And now we've got another lie. And Black Lives Matter, and what they do is they enrich themselves because of these things. They don't do anything, but they enrich themselves. When uh, shootings like this happened, and this police officer literally had three seconds to respond to a woman, a young woman who uh, who was ready to stab to death someone else, presumably gut them in person, and uh, and you've got all sorts of people that oh he just should have fired a warning shot into the air, or he should have you know called the counselor or something you know and honestly it's it's absurd it's absurd it is nonsensical. There is no debating it. If you want to debate me about climate change, climate change, you know, it's happening and there's no debate. Well, there's no debate. This woman got shot. This young girl, I should say, got shot by a police officer because she was going to gut somebody. That's just the way it was. But it didn't, of course, uh, change uh, Joy Reed's mind as she invited all of her nutcase uh, academic friends on. And this is the reason, one of the many reasons why nobody uh, watches her show. She had... Couple people on the show talking about uh, how you, what one person said that the reason why she was shot is because she's a big girl. Uh, and somebody else say uh, Joy Reid will tear in a second that, that uh, she was uh, she was scared. I was so scared I sta- tried to stab somebody to death. Here's some of the insane take on Joy Reid's show. By the way, it's called what is it called? Uh, read uh, forward or read thinking or read out. Read out. It's called the read out. <laughs> The readout here is the grown women before they even are able to vote. Um, and then, you know, and are unable to see them as children. And so I have watched. Folks oh, let's up- start that over here. Go. You know, look, the argument for our movements has never been that black people have to be perfect in order for them to deserve dignity, for us to have good policing, for us to You be- could occasionally be a little stabby or a little shooty, just makes you imperfect. ...viewed with humanity for cops to take a breath before they literally get out of the car. How many breaths you get in three seconds as somebody is going after someone with a big old knife? ...guns blazing. So that's the... <sighs> Make your decision. First, right? That this is never what the argument for the movement for black lives has been, is that you just get to kill black people, particularly when they're not being perfect. I think... <laughs> well, I think there was only one perfect uh, person to ever walk the uh, the planet. If you're, you know, if you're a Christian, you, 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 you would subscribe to that. But honestly, wow, really? About how perfect, as Reverend Sharpton just said, the prosecution... Oh, Reverend Sharpton... Reverend Sharpton has been uh, he's been he's been funeral chasing for the last forty years and he's never done anything to make things better. And had to be in order to get the. But he does have five thousand dollars suits now instead of an old uh, velvet jumpsuit he used to wear. Conviction for George Floyd. It had to be impeccable. They had to leave no stone unturned. And if that is the standard, then no black person is really truly going to be safe if we cannot be having a bad day. If we cannot defend ourselves and we think we are going to get jumped. If we call the. But he was on the uh, offensive and she was going to stab somebody. Uh, so she wasn't afraid and she wasn't being attacked. And they can't show up until she was being attacky. Who the victim is and who the perpetrators are. And they can't use their training to adjudicate regular old everyday community conflict. Adjudicate doesn't mean uh, to learn. That's the different Democrats. That's something it's educated. It's completely different. So here's a little bit more of uh, reporters rushing to uh, essentially defend knife wielding. McKay Bryant. 
of business when it comes to uh, black and brown people in this country. We shouldn't live in a country quite... What are we training police to do if they are not actually showing up on the scene and making the situation better for all involved? If you can't figure out... Well, the officer did make it a whole lot better for the girl who's about to be stabbed to death. How to de-escalate a 16-year-old, even with a kitchen knife, when you've got a gun... It's just a kitchen knife. You're a grown man. You shouldn't... It's like a butter knife. It seems to me, in a situation, this is what it looked like to me, and I've looked at the tape you know, some people, as they age, they become more wise. And uh, people like Joy Behar, they've done the opposite. I still can't figure it out. Um, shoot the gun in the air for a warning. Like you just don't care. Tase a person, shoot them in the leg, shoot them in the behind. Shoot them in the behind. <laughs> you know, stop them somehow. But if the only solution... It's to Stop right there or I'll shoot you in the butt. Kill the, a teenager? There's something wrong with this. No, there's something wrong with your thinking. I guess I would shoot the gun, not necessarily at somebody, but maybe shoot the gun and maybe, you know, run at the person and try to... That's Juan Williams. He was hired by Fox because they felt sorry for him because NPR let him go. Arm them? I, I don't know. I mean... He adds nothing to Fox News. So wait, wait, wait. Taking you would shoot the gun life. in the air like a warning shot? Like you just don't care. Not well. Hopefully, to distract or to try to stall or something, so I could oh. get or my partner oh. could get the, the knife away. I see is what I was. But I don't know. I mean, I taking someone's life work, is pretty okay. strong. Yeah, sure. I don't either. I, I don't either, Jesse. I mean, Jesse, policing is tough work. We just want our kids to have the same opportunity to survive their dumbest dis- mistakes as every other kid has. Oh, just try to stab to death somebody you know. It's, just, it's a dumb mistake. Gosh darn, it's like. I don't know, uh, shoplifting a candy bar. Why is deadly force always the first order of business? And when, when somebody's trying to kill somebody. Especially the first order of business when it comes to uh, black and brown people in this country. Yeah, we shouldn't live in a country, quite frankly, where um, it's acceptable for the police to shoot a 16-year-old four times in the chest over a fight. Yeah, you know, um, I'm kind of done with that. I'm going to play one more. This is this is uh, Joy Reid saying that the uh, the stabber was scared. I don't know the details of what happened beforehand, but I am bothered that no one is asking what could have scared a 16-year-old girl enough that she felt she had to grab a kitchen knife facing two adult women, right? Come People on. are just decision- No one's asking what would have scared a kid who's in a foster situation so much that she... Yeah, yeah, usually when you're scared, you're on the defensive, not on the offensive. ...felt that she needed to defend herself or, p- or pick up a knife. Like, no one's asking that about her. They're just saying people with this... No, they're, no, they're asking, why would you pick up a knife to go after somebody and be on the offense? Is it because you're scared or you just wanted to stab somebody? And I think the, the word that she said was, I'm going to stab the F out of you. So that doesn't really terribly sound scary. I just It doesn't, doesn't sound terribly scary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was an international climate summit on uh, Friday. It was a Zoom call, and uh, and Joe Biden was the at times the only person in the entire world wearing a mask on camera. And he looked he looked kind of doofy. In a word, he looked kind of doofy. Here is some of his uh, rambling thoughts during the climate summit, which is an attempt to uh, overtake our economy, to limit to you to one cheeseburger a month, buy an electric car, make your electric bills go through the ceiling, and uh, and tax the heck out of you. Actually, bringing our countries closer together. Well, every once in a while, yeah, you are confronted as a government official, a business leader, a labor leader with a real problem. And it doesn't take you long to figure out 
that how to turn it into an opportunity. Okay, like uh, coronavirus, it was an opportunity to expand the government. One thing, John. Take away personal freedom. Everybody talked about today was, is there anything else you could think of that could create as many good jobs going to the middle of the 21st century? Well, there's a private industry and uh, people coming up with ideas and selling products that people wanted to buy. And uh, by the way, you, Joe Biden and the Democrat Party, have never ever produce the promises that you say you're going to. You say you're going to make schools better. You say you're going to make the infrastructure better. You say you're going to make housing better. Uh, and public housing still sucks. The infrastructure is still not fixed. And you never create jobs. I mean, think about it. What else could there be that would have the opportunity to create so many jobs while doing so much good? Uh, again, private industry. Yeah, yeah. By the way, if, if the government went in charge... The iPhone would still be a crank World War II walkie-talkie. Every single one of you, the business leaders, labor leaders, foreign leaders, foreign, foreign leaders, leaders of the other parts of the world. <laughs> now it's just getting embarrassing. World, every one of you, you talked about this in terms of jobs. It's astounding. And I think this is part of that sort of fourth industrial revolution here. This is, a, this is an opportunity to, and the government never does it better than the private sector. They just don't. They just don't. Wow. Oh, by the way, black-owned businesses near the intersection where George Floyd was killed last year, they call it George Floyd Square, are begging for financial help because they say increased crime in their neighborhood is driving their businesses into the ground. Business owners have been forced to resort to GoFundMe for help to ask for assistance to overcome revenue losses of over 75%. Here's some of the things that the business owners are saying, by the way. Carjackings have nearly tripled in cars and catalytic converters are being stolen at high rates. Reports of bullets whizzing through the streets. Businesses, innocent, unintended residential homes into cars and walls are plentiful. An attempted or an impacted restaurant owner said, The city left me in danger. They locked us up here and left us behind. They left me with no food, no water, nothing to eat. The fire trucks, the police can't come in here. See, it's not the city. or That's, that's, that's the leftists doing it, by the way. And the city capitulating to the left. Business is bad. One employee uh, of another impacted business said no, other, uh, no one absolutely knows who runs this. It's like a union. One person is selected as leader one week. And if they're not fit, they get thrown out. And the left has issued a series of demands, even though they are in no position to demand anything unless you talk about just uh, blackmailing people. So they have a list of demands. Current state of the intersection is uh, George Floyd Square. Is con- this is what they're saying. This is what the left is saying. Is contributing to the peace and safety of the surrounding neighborhoods. Now, did you hear what I just said about the, le- the neighborhoods? Business owners are terrified. Residents are terrified. <laughs> this is on, uh, by the way, Twitter. Amid ongoing threats of white supremacist violence in the absence of justice, the barricades and community structures at 38th and Chicago should remain through the trial of all four police officers is problematic to misconstrue police brutality as progress towards racial healing. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. By the way, on March the 7th of last year, a man was shot and killed near George Floyd, um, the memorial. Callers told officers they would bring the victim to the memorial's perimeter, but officers arrived and learned the wounded person had already been taken to the hospital where he died. Where he died. 
Now, I've been saying this for years since I was in my 20s and uh, 30 years ago that the, the real problem is the crisis in the African-American community and inner cities. And uh, uh, I was not heard and I was not heard. And then I was called a racist. And then I was called a white supremacist. And even though I worked with fostering and adopting kids and inner city families and uh, trying to make lives better and all that stuff. But I'm still, you know, because I have white skin. I have white skin. I'm a caucasoid, as it were. So I'm a, a racist. But on uh, Rush Limbaugh's show on Friday, a woman who identified herself as Joyce from Houston called in. By the way, I should be filling in on the Rush Limbaugh program, in case, you know, you have any doubt. I worked with Rush Limbaugh for over 20 years and uh, wrote a lot of his comedy. So I'd, I'd love to fill in. If you're listening, if you're a person in the know, it would be a, a, an honor for me to fill in on the show that I worked with for over 20 years. And I'm working on a page, by the way, on an audio page where you can hear all of the hundreds of pieces of satire that I wrote and voiced for Rush Limbaugh. We're working on that right now. But if you know anybody, um, I would love to fill in for Rush. It would be a thorough. Uh, they haven't covered comedy yet with the fill-in hosts on the Rush Limbaugh program. So anyway, this, uh, this, this wonderful woman, Joyce from Houston, she said the truth and she can say it because she's not white like me. I've got two little pieces of audio I want to hear from this very wise sage in the most dangerous neighborhood in Houston, the sixth in the nation. And we constantly talk about racism, who is keeping us down. And I contend that, and it's always said that those old rich Republicans are the reason that our communities have turned, good, nice communities in Houston have turned into ghettos. And the old white rich Republicans are the cause of it. And I get so tired of telling my people the old rich white Republicans is not our problem. We are our problem. And until we face the fact that we are our own worst enemies, nothing is going to change. Mm -mm. There are blacks in my community, senior citizens, that have gotten broken into and murdered. You don't even know their names. But you know Floyd all over this nation, all over the world, you know Floyd. And he shouldn't have been killed, okay? But you don't even know these seniors' names. Ask my congresswoman, Sheila Jackson Lee. She's done a lot for that area. Uh, no, not actually done nothing at all. When she is up in Washington for getting things ready for illegal aliens to stay here. Ask her, does she know any of these seniors' names in our community? No. She is our representative. <laughs> I guarantee you she don't know their names. But I'll tell you one thing, she sure know about Floyd. And we have got to stop in the black community. I have traveled out of this country several times and I want to say to the blacks that's listening that you're so angry and you come up with this fake racism and everything. That's not our problem. There's no better place for us. And you're going to sit here and allow people to use you as pawns to mess up what's best for you because there ain't no better place for us. Well, if you ask the left of today that want to uh, reinvent the country and uh, blow up the Constitution and tear down monuments and call everybody racist, the reason why this is happening, well, if you ask the left, they're, they're, they're saying all of those things. But the reason why this is happening is because we have a generation of young people who do not have a civil rights movement. They do not have Jim Crow. 
but they are looking for victimhood status. This is a twofold matter. It's to cover up bad decisions and personal responsibility uh, or personal irresponsibility. And second of all, from Democrats to cover up failed Democrat policies and keep the gravy train running to the uh, different causes, different cities, even though they've shown a track record of absolute failure. That's it. The war on poverty, the great society, we're a joke. We're a joke. You know what's hard? When you make a baby with somebody raising them together for life. You know what's hard? Staying in school. You know what's hard? Getting a job, working your way up. Working your way up because you may have to start making minimum wage like I did. And then you work your way up. Those things are all very, very hard compared to dropping out of school, uh, making babies and not raising them. And this happens, I'm not, this happens with white people too, by the way. I'm talking about everybody in general. But we know there's, this is an acute problem in the African-American community in inner cities. This woman is saying exactly that. Here's a little bit more for this lady on the Rush Limbaugh program. And I am tired of you blaming someone else. And really, in our community, one of the main reasons that these young people are getting shot and killed because they didn't have, and especially these young black men, they didn't have no dads in the home. When Obama was in the White House, oh, in my community, they just, oh, we are so blessed we have a black man in the White House. I said, but we need a black man in the black house. That is a great line. Let's hear that again. We have a black man in the White House. I said, but we need a black man in the black house. Wow. If we had black men in these homes, uh, the policemen, if they had these black men in these homes and put something on their behind when they needed it, <laughs> not least, then the policemen wouldn't have to shoot them mm. when they stopped them because we have taught them to hate the policeman. We teach it from little bitty things. We tell them, if you're bad, I'm going I- to call the policeman. You put that in that baby's mind that the policeman is bad. There are a few bad policemen, but basically the policemen are out there to do a job to protect us. Now, is this finally the generation? Is this finally the moment in time where we stop this? Is this, is this finally the moment in time where we are honest enough to see what's happening and say, let's do something about it. Let's tackle the difficult societal issues and not just throw money at things. There's talk of reparations, a check for people because of their DNA. It's 2021. They're talking about reparations for this generation for something happened 150 years ago. When has a government check ever made things really better? For anybody. And it's nice. You get a little check. It's your money. It's your money. And they, and they toss it around. They act like you're giving you a gift, but it's your money, and you're going to end up paying for it anyway. <laughs> if you think that's the answer, I mean, honestly, then there's no hope. But I'm hoping there is genuine hope, unlike the faux hope that Barack Obama talked about. We're on a precipice. We can go one way or the other. We can make things better, or we can just let them go to hell in a handbasket. After several generations of this, I would hope that we choose 
the former. Brandon Tatum is a uh, uh, an African-American uh, commentator, political figure, former professional athlete, and he was on the BBC talking about the George Floyd verdict and the uh, the protests and what they did to the country. And I contend that they did nothing. They did nothing for the verdict and they did nothing for the country. Well, first of all, I think most of what I heard on the broadcast all the way here is confusing to me. Um, I think we're living in the twilight zone. This conviction, in my personal opinion, did nothing for our country. I mean, people are, are living a lie. I mean, this is one police officer, one person in the community. They found him guilty. This was the swiftest justice I've ever seen in my life. The day after the film came out, he was arrested. Um, he was tried. Ten hours of deliberation, he was convicted. I, I, I'm not I'm not really sure. And AOC, AOC says that's not justice. Why people are acting like this, this is monumental. Also, he did not get a fair trial, in my personal opinion. Mm. There was a lot of obstruction that happened. They paid the family out $27 million before the jury could... Yeah, that's something you want. You want in the headlines. So you give the family $27 million a couple days before the verdict. Selected. I mean, they're going to have a case in appeal. So I, I, I don't know why people are celebrating, and I don't know why this is such a big focal point, other than people are making money off of the pain of people in our country. What? What? You suppose? <laughs> Do you suppose that Al Sharpton is enriching himself? Do you suppose that BLM is enriching, uh, are enriching themselves? Yeah, of course. A little bit more from Brandon Tatum. Yeah, this is not a landmark case. I think people are, this is a political agenda. They're pushing lies in our country. Policing in America is not inherently racist. We don't live in a racist country. This was an interaction between a police officer that I thought did the wrong thing and a black man who was on drugs high resisting arrest and ended up being killed by that police officer. That's as simple as it can be. The president of the United States got out and, and made a fool of himself trying to promote racism in a simple uh, police encounter that the officer got convicted on. So you, I don't you, know you, reject, you, re you reject President Biden's comments about systemic racism. Yeah, because it's an insult to the country and everyone uh, who has gone before him, particularly the great... African-Americans in our history, Harriet Tubman, among others. And it being a stain on the whole uh, nation. Yes. Martin Luther King Jr. President Biden is an idiot, in my personal opinion. Yay. And he's just talking because he's a... Oh, I don't think it's an opinion. I think it's a proven fact now. Politician. Systemic racism. I mean, if you look at Joe Biden himself... You know, he, he spoke at a Ku Klux Klan member's funeral and did the eulogy. He was a grand dragon. Thank you, Richard Byrd. Robert Byrd. Of Robert Byrd. I mean, he is white supremacy and racism, if you if you want to want to say that is the case. And now he's the president. So if he really cared about white supremacy and racism, he should step down as the president because he's an exemplification of that very thing. Now, if you look at all the uh, presidents in recent memory, with the exception of Lyndon Johnson, and you look at the things that they've said about race and whatnot, you would come to the conclusion that Joe Biden is probably the most <laughs> racist person we've had in the White House in a very long time. In a very long time. One more uh, audio clip from Brandon Tatum on the BBC. In a wave of dead black people. In Here we go. So the rate of people being killed by police is the rate is higher amongst black people than amongst the rest of the population. What do you, how That's do you not, account for that is, if that isn't a systemic racism problem? 
Yeah, that's not, first of all, that's not true. Twice as many white people go killed by police every year. Now, this is actually factual. It can be it can be shown with figures. Twice as many white people are killed unarmed by police every year. You just don't see it. There's a gentleman named Tony Temper. I guarantee you, anybody watching me have no idea who Tony Temper is. Tony Temper was murdered in the same fashion that George Floyd was killed, but because he was white. We don't hear about it and nobody cares about it. Nobody's talking about police reform when he was suffocated and killed, but they only talk about it because George Floyd is black. Black people commit over half of violent crimes in this country and only make up 13% of the population. They commit um, over half of the murders in this country, but only make up 13% of the population. And we can agree that 13% of the population aren't the criminals. There's only a small- I'm hoping that this is beginning to cut through. If you look at uh, uh, Donald Trump, he got more African-American votes than any Democrat presidential candidate in recent memory. And I think that people are beginning to understand. You look at the walkaway movement from the Democrat Party. There were 500,000 people on Facebook walking away from the Democrat Party before Facebook blew up the page Blew up the page, got rid of all the profiles, all the names. It disappeared into the ether. But people were leaving the party in mass, particularly black people. A fraction of the black community that's doing this. So that explains why police are in the black communities more. And that explains why black people are incarcerated more. They are making up lies saying that it has anything to do with racism. Do you understand that there's black police officers, too? Oh, that yeah. patrol in many of these majority black cities? There is that. I, I noticed that, that not all police are actually white people. Are they racist? No, that's not the case they're just making these things up, in my personal opinion, and they're riding a wave of dead black people in order to make money and be politically um, and get political leverage. Just riding that wave. Riding that wave. That's what the Democrat Party does. What they do is they uh, they use African-Americans for their votes. And then the day after the election, they leave some money on the dresser and leave. That's just the way they do it. And people are beginning to get it. People are beginning to get it. By the way, you are listening to the Newsmax Daily. My name is Rob Carson. This is interesting. Ted Wheeler, the governor of Portland, who is, or the mayor of Portland, the governor, (laughs) the mayor of Portland, who has presided over the destruction of Portland, including the assault on a federal courthouse there for months and months and months. He is now begging people to unmask members of Antifa. Here's a little bit from the story as he presided over watching businesses burn, walked down to the courthouse, ended up getting maced. He ended up getting confronted and called names by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Here is uh, Ted Wheeler, the man who is literally, he is, well, not literally, but he has played the violin while Portland burned for months. And now it's starting to really, people are starting to pay attention to what an incredible, absolute failure he is, along with the mayors of New York City and Los Angeles. Open letter this week aimed at those doing the protesting. It says in part, actions that neither increase solidarity nor broadcast purpose while making the lives of local black communities more difficult or not acceptable. The group says while the letter also talks about concern with police violence, the mayor misused those words in his call to... We must stand together as a community against this ongoing criminal intimidation and violence. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler first declared a state of emergency on Tuesday following the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. It allows the mayor to declare a curfew, close streets and other places like parking garages. Our job is to unmask them, arrest them, 
and prosecute them. People know who these criminals are. On Friday, the mayor urged people to report to authorities any illegal-looking activity. He also asked for the... We we must stand. We must... You know, this, honestly, I got to tell you, uh, here's a guy who who has done nothing at all for a year, and suddenly he's finding himself in an incredibly difficult situation with Portland business owners going, what are you doing? Help us out. We can't do this anymore. And and if you know if he had a, if he had a choice, if the mayor of Portland had a choice, he would continue chanting "Kumbaya." And all we are saying is give people a chance, give peace a chance. Portland has contended with months of violent demonstrations and classes since Floyd's death last May. Last Monday, a group of eighty people caused nearly twenty thousand dollars worth of property damage to the Boys and Girls Club of Northeast Portland. Are you kidding me? On the previous Friday, police declared a riot amid reports of gunshots, broken windows at First Christian Church and anti-police graffiti at the Arlen Schnitzer Concert Hall. <laughs> and a year later, the, uh, the mayor steps up. Jeez. Unbelievable. By the way, MIT researchers say you're no safer from COVID indoors at six feet or 60 feet in a new study challenging social distancing policies. The risk of being exposed to COVID-19 indoors is as great at 60 feet as it is at six, even when wearing a mask, according to a new study by MIT. MIT professors Martin Bazant, who teaches uh, chemical engineering and applied mathematics, and John W. M. Bush, who teaches applied mathematics, developed a method of calculating exposure to a risk to COVID-19 in an indoor setting. That factors in a variety of issues that could affect transmission, including the amount of time spent inside, air filtration and circulation, blah, 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 blah. Bezant and Bush questioned long-held COVID-19 guidelines from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention with the World Health Organization in peer-reviewed study published earlier this week. We argue there really isn't much of a benefit to the six-foot rule, especially when people are wearing masks. It has it really has no physical basis because the air a person is breathing while wearing a mask tends to rise and comes down elsewhere in the room. So you're more exposed to the average background than you are to a person at a distance. Opening windows or installing new fans to keep the air moving could be just as effective as more or more effective than spending large amounts of money on a new filtration system. Six feet social distancing rules that inadvertently result in closed businesses and schools are just not reasonable, according to the study. This emphasis on distancing has been really misplaced from the very beginning. The CDC or WHO, who never really provided justification for it, they've just said this is what you must do. And the only justification I'm aware of is based on studies of coughs and sneezes where they look at the largest particles that might sediment onto the floor or even then it's very approximate. You can certainly have longer or shorter range large droplets, blah, blah, blah. So all of this social distancing stuff is garbage, 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 garbage. The majority of people who are transmitting COVID aren't coughing or sneezing. They're asymptomatic, by the way. According to the study, as for social distancing outdoors, Bazant says it makes almost no sense that doing so with masks is kind of crazy. And these are all things that I've been saying since last March. But I didn't have a podcast on Newsmax back in March. And everybody thought I was crazy. Everybody's like, man, I wouldn't say that, Rob. But when you look at 
the raw data and you look at the great plagues in history, if this were as bad as the Black Plague, where are the mass graves? Where are the crowded emergency rooms? Where are the ventilators? Remember the ventilators? Remember all that? Remember the ventilators? We don't need them now. Do you remember the baseball game, the Rangers and Phillies, uh, four almost four weeks ago? It was going to be a massive uh, super spreader event. Nothing has happened in Dallas. Nothing has happened in Philadelphia. Unbelievable. This is what happens when you when you politicize a virus. Oh, this is nice. Vice President Kamala Harris hasn't been to the border to address a crisis, the crisis that she was tasked to uh, fix because she's the border czar. But a children's book she wrote is waiting there for young migrants who are being welcomed into the country. So it's like, welcome, you've been abused, maybe sexually trafficked, abandoned in the desert. Here's the vice president's book, and she couldn't bother to come down to the, uh, to the border and, uh, and see uh, what's going on. By the way, in the book it says, whenever there's trouble, superheroes show up just in time. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Kamala Harris tried to make a joke, I guess. Uh, he was talking about uh, women people being forced out of, the, uh, out of the workplace. I want you to listen to this because she got uh, crickets. I think it is important to look at folks like Haley and Kelly and also say we're going to take note of the fact that during the pandemic, over 2 million people, 2 million women people. <laughs> okay, there's the crickets. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've done open mic and I've done some stand-up. Uh, yeah, when you're, when you're on stage and this happens, this is when you say, hey, guys, have a great evening. Uh, make sure to uh, tip your bartender's waitress and we'll see you again next time. Million women people <laughs> became unemployed. Wow. Crickets. Absolute <laughs> crickets. All right, let's move on to some uh, some great commentary and some great uh, personalities and guests on Newsmax. Rob Finnerty is a friend of mine. I got to know him in uh, Kansas City. He now does uh, Wake Up America on Newsmax, and he talked about the situation in Columbus and uh, and journalism in general. If a police officer saved a life, they'd be called a hero. Columbus, Ohio officer Nick Reardon is a hero. He saved a young black girl's life, and tragically, a 16-year-old girl lost her life. We used to live in a country where that would be acknowledged even commended. Instead, we're all being gaslit by the White House, by LeBron James, by CNN, and by BLM as well. Officer Reardon arrived at a chaotic scene, and within seconds, a young woman was rushing toward another woman with a knife trying to stab her. Wolf Blitzer said she, quote, appeared to have a knife. Wolf, guess what? We can all see the video. We can clearly see that she had a knife and could have killed that other girl. But instead, the narrative is that all police are bad, especially when white officers kill black people. Yeah. And the Biden administration is now complicit in the new big lie. The killing of 16-year-old Michaela Bryant by the Columbus police is tragic. She was a child. We're thinking of her friends and family and the communities that are hurting and grieving her loss. We know that police violence disproportionately impacts uh, black and... This wasn't police violence. This was uh, a police officer trying to sell, uh, save somebody else's life. You know, people in communities and that black women and girls, like black men and boys, experience higher rates of police violence. See, this, this narrative is beginning to fail, finally. It's beginning to fail because... You saw the knife in her hand as she was in a striking position, ready to stab somebody. And there's a point eventually that the word's going to get out. And thank God for networks like this one, like Newsmax, that, that will show you the, the video, the unedited video, unlike NBC News. NBC News not only edited the knife out of her hand, 
They, they edited that part out of the video. They also edited the 911 call, which was a young African-American woman screaming, get here, people are being stabbed, we need the police here now. So we also know that there are particular vulnerabilities that children in foster care, care like Micaiah, face. That doesn't give her the right to stab somebody to death. Look, Americans are not perfect, but we're not bad people. A police officer was called to a scene, as they so often are, for a call that was an attempted stabbing, and he saved a young girl's life. And that's not a hot take. It's a fact. And guess what? It's all right there on video. You can watch it for yourself. Yeah, isn't that amazing? We actually have video, and it can be rebutted, but they continue to lie. Here is uh, Grant Stinchfield talking to uh, Alan Dershowitz, expanding a little bit on what he has said about the George Floyd trial, that uh, the riots, uh, plus also politicians like uh, Joe Biden and uh, Maxine Waters, may have really screwed the pooch with regard to an appeal. Should result in a mistrial, but the judge, of course, wouldn't grant the mistrial, but even though it was Waters who was responsible. And so now, if there is a conviction, and I think there will be a conviction, at least on the manslaughter charge, the issue will go to the Court of Appeals. And will the Court of Appeals have the courage to reverse this conviction on the ground, now, there are many grounds of appeal, but on the ground that the jury was subjected to intimidation tactics, not only by Waters, but by others as well, who threatened violence in the event of, a, of an acquittal or a lesser charge than, than murder. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. They've kind of, uh, the temper tantrum resulted in a negative. Temper tantrums never result in anything positive. There's an, some immediate uh, relief you know, uh, the kid gets the candy bar, but then the kid continues to be a brat. We've seen that in the, in the cities around the country, including Portland with Antifa and Black Lives Matter. You, you give the brat a candy bar, they're happy for a little while, and then they resume. You know, you got the uh, three guilty verdicts of a police officer, but now Black Lives Matter has a new list of demands. And they want the police reinvented, even though that's not what's needed. The Anizetti family needs to be. Needs to be. There was a woman who went viral for her speech in front of a school board meeting about her four and six-year-olds having to wear masks a year into this, even though it's shown that they aren't necessary for children. And Samir Armstrong appeared on Stinchfield's show, she is a mom as well, to talk about the video and how it went viral, why it went viral, and how important it is. With COVID going crazy, I don't know if you saw, Samira, this mom, this George, she spoke in front of Gwinnett oh, County School yes. Board in Georgia. I think she speaks for all of us. Let's roll it and I'll get your reaction. You still can't play together on the playground like normal children, seven and eight-year-olds. We don't care. We're still going to force you to carry a burden that was never yours to carry. Shame on us. But it's April 15th, 2021, and it's time. Take these masks off of my child. All right, so her name is Courtney Ann Taylor, and I give her a huge thumbs up. Samira, you're a mom. She's awesome, this lady. She is a hero to moms everywhere who have been intimidated by the school board system. These people have no authority in health. My child goes to a Montessori school where it's all about individual choice. And for some godforsaken reason, they have taken his choice over masking himself out of his hand and into theirs while they sit at home on Zooms making decisions for other people's life, afraid to live their very own. This mom is powerful and we need to see more of this type of behavior all over the United States. I couldn't agree with you more. 
She's amazing. And if you get a chance to see the video, it's all over the web. It absolutely is incredible. Now, we focus a lot on police officers, but there are attacks going on in prison systems around the country because in uh, in some in certain jurisdictions, there are attorneys general of different states that are completely left of center. Right now in our nation's prisons, prison guards are being assaulted. Gang members are being housed together uh, according to their gang. And consequently, uh, many, many prison guards and workers are in, uh, afraid for their lives. This is Kenny Bosco, the president of the uh, Corrections Officers Benevolent Association, talking about this crisis we're not hearing about. Um, New York City correction officers have become the sacrificial lambs of, you know, this city's failed criminal justice reforms. Assaults on my members uh, are up 23% this year. We are weekly going to the hospital, visiting officers, being stabbed, slashed, punched in the face. You know, these watered down consequences for inmates. The, the, the department has decided to house gangs by, um, house inmates by gang affiliation. So it's, it's really a, a dangerous situation for New York City correction officers right now, Greg. Let's go into that a little bit. So wait, gangs are being housed together. Uh, so if you're, I don't know, in the Bloods or in the Crips, you're, you're, they put the Bloods together in one cell block and the Crips in another cell block. Why, that's, am I getting that right? Correct. And Correct. why do they, they, why do, they, they do that? Because they thought that it was going to quell inmate on inmate violence because they're in the same gang. And the reality is what the department has done is put us at a disadvantage because the inmates are plotting. There's 48, 50 bloods in a house. How can a correction officer do their job effectively? They can't. And again, it's a case of failed Democrat leadership. We had a president in the uh, in the White House who was a supporter of the police. He was uh, an outward supporter of the police. The president of the United States right now does not. Have you heard anything positive? You've heard that there's systemic racism from this president. He's not said a thing. He has not said a thing about police officers and the good work that they do. Because it doesn't fit his narrative. It doesn't forward his agenda. That's the problem. Here's a little montage that uh, Benny Bosco, who we just heard from, put together. These are corrections officers. Because this is where we're at, Greg. They, they've put us in harm's way. And they put together, or somebody put it together for them, a pretty compelling video of their concerns. Take a look. I don't want my fellow officers to die, and I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. It's dangerous in here. I don't want to die. 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 Don't want to die because this is where we're at, Greg. They, they've put us in harm's way by the, the way, the gross mismanagement of how the agency is being ran. Mm -hmm. Whenever Democrats are in charge, look at uh, Los Angeles, look at Portland, look at Seattle, look at New York City. Unbelievable. Oh, this is just rich. Are you ready? For the, did, you, did you know that O.J. Simpson uh, went after LeBron James for uh, uh, posting the uh, police officer's photo of McKay Bryant, the, the, the police officer who shot her? He posted a photo of him and said, uh, your time is coming. It had a little, uh, a little hourglass there, basically threatening him. Here is the juice. This is O.J. Simpson scolding LeBron James for having commentary about uh, somebody who was about to stab somebody to death. You know, I think you see what I'm getting at here. Yeah, yeah. The, the, he's commenting on LeBron James talking about somebody stopping someone from murdering somebody with a knife. 
Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Tough morning listening to all the criticism that LeBron Le uh, James is getting. Uh, I'm a fan of LeBron. I admire the work that he's done, how he's helped his community and how he's helped his friends uh, and how he's been fighting all this. LeBron's like, please don't let this guy move in next door. Social issues, especially that of systemic racism in the legal system and with the police department. And, and that doesn't exist, yeah. In our country. Yeah. But mm -hmm. you can't fight every battle you know you can't you can't uh, murder everybody with a knife oh did i say that out loud uh you gotta pick your battles i mean i mean somebody else murdered people with a knife but i that's never no it's a war that must be fought but sometimes you need to take your time and be a little more patient before you comment on some of these um uh, bad incidences that are happening with police departments uh this one uh lebron should have waited uh, I'm a little upset with most of the media because they showed us... Yeah, you don't want to do something just, to, you know, on the spur of the moment, like, you know, murder people. They did versions of what took place with the girl with the knife. Because, you know, if that's the case, then there's all sorts of evidence everywhere and blood inside your car and, you know, your hand gets cut, you know, and uh, all sorts of... It's, it's stuff into your bloody shoe prints or whatever. You just, I'm talking about somebody else, certainly not O.J. Simpson. Sound as if this was another police officer uh, overreacting and killing a young black American. Okay, thank you, OJ. Go back to uh, playing golf. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's have some fun, shall we? There's some very funny stories in the uh, news. You know these gender reveal parties? Everybody's doing these gender reveal things, and, and a lot of the times they, they include explosions. For some odd reason, blowing up something, you know, and then, then, you know, blue or pink powder goes in the air and whatever. There was a story, I think a, a couple thousand acres were burned a few years ago by a couple that used explosives and fireworks in the middle of a, a grassy, dry field. Well, most recently, this gender reveal party in New Hampshire took place. Seven o'clock last Tuesday, multiple towns heard an explosion, felt massive shockwaves because the parents-to-be, I'm assuming the dad, used uh, 80 pounds of tanzanite, which is a, uh, an explosive tannerite. It's tannerite, by the way. Tannerite and went to a quarry <laughs> to make the announcement. Here's the story. And towns, just absolutely over the top, ridiculous. The blast took place here in a large gravel pit on the property of Tormeo Industries. Police say the man who set off the explosion told them he thought it would be a safe location. He's now cooperating with the investigation. He is now he is now uh, cooperating with the investigation. Apparently, yeah. After uh, blowing up, and this is what guys do. You know, we like fireworks. There's a, there's a reason why that in some states there are fireworks stands everywhere. You know, like uh, I live near Missouri, Kansas City area, and in Missouri, uh, literally every other place has a fireworks stand. It is it is absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Here's another fun story: a man fills his bowling ball with his father's ashes. And then bowls a perfect game with the ball. 300 is perfection in bowling. But for John Hinkle, some 300 games are better than others, especially when they include your late father. Peoria's John Hinkle is a two-time NCAA bowling champion. He's rolled so many 300 games, he's lost count. But none were like the one last week. I had tears in my eyes for the 11th and 12th frame. I couldn't even tell you where that last ball went. I had so many. Three, 300 is perfection in bowling. Okay. John Hinkle, some so anyway, he uh, he went ahead and he, he bowled a, a perfect game, and, uh, and uh, Dad was there with him. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. All right. 
Final uh, story. This is a little piece that I found from uh, Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington is a Christian. Denzel Washington is uh, an amazing actor. I've been following his career since uh, Glory. Remember Glory? That was one of his first performances, and he got an Oscar nomination for it. And he said this about um, about the media, and I think it's perfect. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Hmm. Now, what do you do? That's the great question. What is the long-term effect of too much information? One of the effects is the need to be first, not even to be true anymore. So what a responsibility you all have to, be, to tell the truth, not just to be first, but to tell the truth. We live in a society now where it's just first. Who cares? Get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care who we destroy. We don't care if it's true. Just say it. Sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at including BS. Beautiful. I mean, that is really beautiful. Remember the Cub Catholic kids in front of the uh, Washington or the, uh, the Lincoln Memorial? Remember how the media was uh, uh, ready to jump on those kids for being a racist? They were first. They were wrong. They got their rear end sued into the, uh, to the ends of the earth. Same goes with the Kyle Rittenhouse story in Kenosha. We don't know the answers to that yet. But there was a rush to be first. With 60 Minutes and Ron DeSantis a couple weeks ago, there was a rush to be first to create a narrative that didn't exist. And then they were exposed in a lie. I love Denzel Washington. Denzel is the deal, is the real deal. Okay, that's going to do it for this edition of this show. I hope you had a great weekend. I have a huge week planned for you. If you get a chance to download the Newsmax app, just go to uh, your cellular telephonic device and download it. If you have any questions about when shows air on Newsmax, just go to NewsmaxTV.com. And if you want to know where this show, this podcast airs, just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts. That's all you got to do. In the meantime, guys, have a glorious Monday. I will see you and you will hear me tomorrow. Same time, same place. God bless. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.